We are here because we are dedicated to helping members of our community build lean, strong bodies and confident, resilient minds. Determined to elevate the lives of working professionals, stay-at-home parents, and anyone who is ready to level up their life. Our invigorating group fitness classes, practical nutrition programs, and authentic coaches help ignite your life. Find a place that believes in you. Find a place that challenges you. Find CrossFit South. All right, guys, welcome back to the Southpaw Spotlight, episode 19, I believe. I just checked that out. It might be 18, but regardless, we're here with Dan Broughton. He's a physical therapist. Uh, mind me the name of your organization again. Uh, Minnesota Orthopedic Performance and Prevention, but for short, MNOPP. MNOPP is the easy yep. way to say it. Otherwise, yep. you can get into all that and we'll yep. get his contact info later. Um, but I've known Dan for a number of years now and uh, have really grown to value his, his insight, professionalism, and a lot of the things that he has to offer uh, both to our, our members um, and myself. So Dan, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So Dan, uh, having known you, I, I met you first, I guess you were in physical therapy, but I met you first just as a CrossFitter. And I love mm -hmm. talking to other um uh, healthcare professionals. And I, I mentioned that I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'll kind of on a spectrum from, uh, you know, sickness and, you know, emergency room on one side to, you know, physical fitness on the other, but there's this whole, uh, you know, kind of continuum spectrum in the middle there. Um, yeah. and I think physical therapy has a big role in there. So tell me just kind of a little bit about what got you into physical therapy in the first place. So it's kind of an interesting story. Um, I guess that's an opinion of mine that I have. That's interesting. <laughs> this I kinda, is really boring, bro. I <laughs> I kind of like lucked into it. The fact that uh, this profession has worked out in a fashion that it has for me. Um, my biggest deal back when I was in college and I was trying to choose a profession. Um, all I knew was I wanted to help people. That's really general term. Super uh, general, millennial, right? You. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I just was like, I want to be able to, to, to give to people and, and to help whatever that meant. So I looked into social work, um, decided that wasn't for me, um, and very difficult job to do. Um, any social workers, by the way, who are listening, you guys are amazing. Um, Both my parents actually. So I'm glad you, oh, I'm glad you watched your mouth there. It's a very, <laughs> okay. it's a very hard job to do. Um, and I just, I had always enjoyed exercise, human anatomy, um, you know, and exercise physiology and all that type of stuff. And so I was like, well, physical therapy makes sense because I'm like, well, it has the subject matter and then it has, you know, kind of my goal of being able to help people. And, but I had no idea going into it, if I would actually like it, it just, I figured I would. Um, and actually even, uh, even in grad school, um, as I was going to get my doctorate in physical therapy, um, you know, there were times when I was like, oh, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's very stressful, three years. Um, and it wasn't until probably after I graduated and started practicing for about three years. Um, the th first three years out of school is a bit of a whirlwind. You're, you're now in it um, and you are, you're basically experiencing all these things that you have only kind of learned about in the classroom, so to speak, mm -hmm. outside of practicals and stuff. Um, and I don't know, after year three, something clicked for me. And, and that was when I kind of realized a passion for it. Um, Cause I was like, oh, I can, I can actually 
I could be good at this. I think um, that's with a lot of things, Dan, and, and that's a great point is that when we're initially learning them, we have to be very conscious with what we're doing and your brain feels overworked and you get to a point where it be, not it doesn't become routine necessarily, but you've done it enough to where it becomes almost habit and it, it allows that stuff to become subconscious. And then you can, you can layer in the fun stuff to it, yeah. right? Like you yeah. can start having fun with it and interacting and yeah. not being quite as, um, and adding your own, you know, artistic or, 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 or um, creativity to it, yeah. which is and really it, cool. And kind of, uh, and that's actually a really good, uh, a good point of uh, kind of like your methodology um, mm -hmm. about how you approach your profession and stuff. Because every PT, I say this to a lot of my patients when, you know, I was working with organizations that had multiple practitioners um, and, you know, maybe they'd see me and then maybe they'd see another therapist and, you know, mm -hmm. everybody treats a little bit differently. Um, mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the, I would say, probably one of the pitfalls, I would say, of PT. It can be a blessing and a curse at the same yeah. time um, because you get all this information out there and it's like, well, what is actually helpful? It's like fitness, and, man. It's like wild west right now. Yeah. And what I have done over the years um, is I, so I'll try to keep this succinct. I have a, I have a tendency at times, according to maybe my wife, maybe not my wife, um, that I might ramble a little bit. So um, I'll try to be succinct, but it's going to be a long podcast because we're both in that boat. <laughs> it's going to be great. I was talking about that with somebody the other day. Um, is uh, I went to school at Washington University to get my doctorate. St. Louis? They, yes, in St. Okay. Louis. Um, I'm a Missouri man, so. Ah, and um, they have a, a specific kind of, oh, teaching cur curriculum that was actually created um, by one of the, I don't think she's a professor anymore, but her name's Shirley Sarman. Um, and it's basically, it's called MSI for short, but movement system impairments. They've changed that recently. I don't remember what it is now, but it's roughly the same. But basically it's, it's looking at uh, the human body and how does it function mechanically when it comes to, you know, uh, muscle interactions and joints. And the, the premise is that your body has this ideal way that it likes to move and function and be cohesive with one another. And all these muscles have to interact together. And looking at somebody through a movement screen and being able to tease out, you know, okay, your hip is doing this, it's causing this knee pain. So we need to correct that hip dysfunction um, in order to get your body kind of back to where it needs to be. The thing with that is there's also, you know, really manual heavy uh, therapists when it comes to um, how they practice. So they might spend a lot of hands-on time when it comes to like doing soft tissue mobilization joint mobilization um, to get joints moving and stuff. And they might not be really, you know, heavy on exercise modalities and getting people back. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also, there's another model, it's called McKenzie model. Um, that's the, anybody has back pain and they've been doing like the prone press ups mm -hmm. or like really repetitive double knee to chest. Um, that's another methodology that's out there. And what I love about, at least what I have tried to do is I have tried to learn as much as I can about as, as much of these methodologies as I can and kind of incorporate them all into kind of one cohesive model because everybody's so unique. Nobody, not everybody is gonna to respond to one. one specific modality. 
and it's the same thing with, you know, it's almost like psychology or, you know, yeah. I mean, different so schools of thought. I use this example of, I had where I used to work. I had two patients came in at the same time two day, one day apart, identical symptom presentation, right? So identical pain had pain <clears> down <throat> the back of their legs. It was like sciatica type stuff. Mm-hmm. And also had almost the same kind of like, if you looked at the eval that I did, it would be like, gosh, is this the same person, same age, uh, from the same country? Like it almost was looks like a typo. Yeah. Name. And I, so I had them both basically on kind of the same treatment regimen to start. Mm-hmm. One person, um, got notably better really quickly. The other person, very stagnant, nothing really mm-hmm. changed. So I had to take a uh, really in-depth look at this other person and change his stuff around. And he responded to a completely different um, treatment regimen. And that's the whole uniqueness of every single person. And it's like, that's why I don't, you know, cookie cutter PT where you go in and you get these, uh, my next, my next tight. Okay. Well, we give some stretches and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but why is your neck tight? Yeah. Like what's causing that? Yeah. And so being able to kind of get to the root of stuff, um, I think is, is really important. And that's, that was my foundation when it comes to wash you and MSI that, that informs everything for me. Yeah. Dan, so. there's a, a lot of great, I have like four different avenues. I want to go down just off of that. Um, one of the things you said in the beginning with the professor that you had at wash you who, uh, I can't remember the exact language that you used, but basically she had this premise that the human body has essentially like a homeostasis, right? This ideal way of feeling and operating that it wants to get to. And as I've learned more about PT and human performance, as I understand it, pain isn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that something is like wrong, like a a bone is broken or Hmm. a muscle is stretched. It means that something's firing incorrectly and it's your brain way of it's your brain's way of, uh, kind of protecting that area. And that could, that, that pain signal that you're receiving in your brain, uh, may not have a, a, a treatment at the location of pain. It could be related to something else. Is that, am I kind of yep. understanding that correctly? Yep. hundred percent. So, uh, we could talk about pain is, a, is in general is a topic that we could probably talk That's about huge, for like yeah. three hours. Yeah. Um, and because there's, there's a lot that goes into why somebody is feeling pain and which is, we can, we can get into how, why I am, how I am as a practitioner yeah, um, because of some of that stuff. But um, I guess, you know, one of the examples can be um, knee pain, right? So really common to have knee pain, um, especially in, uh, in the sport of CrossFit and the knee is a fairly simple joint. It, it moves back and forth. It's a basic like hinge joint, yeah. Right? There's a little bit of rotation that happens there. Um, but that's there's not a lot of uh, degrees of freedom when it comes to movement there. Your ankle and your hip, on the other hand, have significantly more. And so anybody that I get that comes in and says, I have knee pain, I look at, I actually don't even, I usually don't even look at the knee first. I look at hip and I look at ankle and I, I see what's going on there. And most often you gotta, you gotta fix something there. And, um, 
there's also, I mean, there's other aspects of, you know, something's feeling really, really tight because something else is really deficient when it comes to strength yeah. or functioning. And so that's the whole point of like, okay, well, this is tight. So let's stretch that. Right. That's mm-hmm. to me, very rarely is that a solution. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a, a band-aid practice yeah. um, aspect of things where people will be coming back with pain. That was a huge light bulb moment for me because I used to do a lot more uh, what I would call mobility in classes and just stretching. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times there are much better ways to do that, working through a loaded range of motion, right? Or whatever it happens to be. And that's something, again, that I don't have as much experience with. And it's great to talk to others like yourself for it. uh, You had mentioned kind of working through different models, seeing the same patient with same presenting symptoms, but different treatment plans. Mm -hmm. And Um, I know that you worked in a more corporate setting for a while Mm -hmm. and have since branched off and uh, we don't need to delve into whether, you know, the benefits, pros and cons of insurance industry in this, Mm -hmm. but um, somebody very close to me has been going through PT recently and they're seeing multiple different providers, right? Mm -hmm. It's one week at someone, the next week at someone else, and you can leave notes, but I think there's something to be said for uh, putting a premium value on seeing one person and attacking it from different angles. And you may not get the right answer on the first try, but if, if you keep seeing different people and you keep trying to use a hammer to push in that nail, it, it may not keep working. It's not going to keep working. Right. Yep. So talk yep. to me a little bit about your experience transitioning from more of a corporate setting into practicing on your own. And, and why would you make such a move? So, Ooh, that's a loaded a question. Of, that's okay. Yeah. I have a lot of reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing um, at this point. Um, just so I'll touch on the different practitioner aspect of seeing multiple providers. I, so this is what I would say to my patients. If for example, so I'm actually, as I'm transitioning to doing my own private practice, I'm working at a, uh, another kind of big corporation yeah. um, deal part-time. Um, and the idea is transition off of that once I get yeah. things up and running. But um, they have a 30 different therapists at that location. And now I'm only there one day a week. And so, you know, I'll see people for initial eval and they'll be like, all right, when can mm-hmm. I get in to see you again? And my availability is not really high. So what I will tell those people is I say, you know, I want you to follow up. I try to get to know the therapist, number one, because I want yeah. to kind of know how they treat. And then I'm also really picky with who I refer to. Um, and some of because... it depends on the particular practice, right? We mm-hmm. have, we don't just have one coach coaching every class because it's good to have a different set of eyes on you, right? Yep. Assuming yeah. they're all, they all care, right? And they're all professional. Yep. Um, so it can be good sometimes to have that difference of opinion, but yep. it can also, you know, and it's a very, um, it's a very individualistic Thing. Yep. And I think that's what this era of social media and online advertising, it's like the saturation of people who are paying money to get some click funnel ad up and they might yep. be really good with their ad copy and the amount of money they can dump into that, but they don't know jack about what it actually takes to treat people. And to me, that's frustrating because it gives the whole, the whole industry essentially a bad name, right? Yep. Yeah, But working with someone one-on-one and being able to really um, get to know them as an individual, what makes them tick? What do they respond to? What does their body subconsciously respond to can be huge. Absolutely. And, you know, the, 
you can have too many cooks in the kitchen is basically what it comes down to. And also communication. Not on Thanksgiving. Too- so <laughs> otherwise you're correct. I'm sorry. I'm full as, of it today. As Drinking long coffee. As, as long as I am not a cook in the kitchen, I'm cool with that. Exactly. Um, the, the communication becomes a lot harder too, when you have more people. And yeah. so, you know, I tell my patients stay between two therapists yeah. because it's so much easier for two therapists to connect and make sure that we're on the same page and create a cohesive plan. Um, it always, it, it hardly, That's a good idea. it hardly ever works out in my experience when you see three or more. Mm. And it's just because people will go in. This is how every time somebody comes in to see me, it doesn't matter if this is their eval. If I have not seen them for, for a visit, I'm kind of going to run through a little bit of an examination and I'm also going to sit down and talk to people to be like, okay, I have the note, but I want to hear from you. And we could also get into the fact of like corporate system and how things work and how much documentation time we have and how that impacts our documentation. What you have to report, the communication processes. That's a whole discussion about the industry, which is, which is another reason why I'm doing my own thing. We're just going to keep having you back over and over and different (laughs) topics, Um, paperwork and logistics. And I could get into social media stuff too, right now when it comes to, I was like, uh, it's a dicey bridge to, it is. Yeah. Um, because it's very individual. And so I've always wrestled with, if I want to make, if I wanted to make content to put out there for people. Mm And something, it, it always, I can never get to the point where I was like, yeah, I feel okay doing this. Because if I'm giving information out there to somebody that I have not seen in person, I haven't evaled, I could be showing things that potentially hurt somebody. Yeah, that's a um, really good point. They're not doing it correctly. Or... Yeah, and and that's another thing too. Oh, man. And then how do you do it authentically, right? I feel like mm-hmm. so much stuff we see out there, I don't, the like humble brag or whatever. And I get, you need to build, uh, uh, build your authority in the area, but I, there are a lot, of, I don't post much of my personal anymore because I, I just don't feel like it's authentic. Like, what am I posting this for? Why am I yeah. doing it? And then just the crap that you see from advertisers yeah. too. It just, yep. and I, I just, I, I don't resonate with, uh, in, uh, in authenticity. Yeah. That's a word. I think that's right. Um, I, I can't, I can't do anything but be my authentic self, which yeah. is why I am the therapist that I am. I, I'm just who I am. And that's, that's yeah. what it is. I like to joke around. I like to get to know my patients, that connection, that connection with people, I think is really important and really big. Um, it lets, uh, it allows people to show that I, I care that I actually care about their well-being and, and getting better. And also that ties back to our, the initial point you made about why you got into physical therapy. It reminded me of a quote. Um, I believe it was Jim Wallace who said this, but it was from college and I don't quite remember, but it was, he said, um, your vocation is where you find something where your talents and abilities intersect with the needs of the world. And I thought that was profound. Like I love yep. the word intersect, right? Because yep. it's not necessarily these two vertical lines or, or whatever it's it's mm-hmm. this finding that and that's what a lot of i think millennials data shows not in a bad way are looking for this the sense of meaning and yeah. um tied in with making a living and if you can find people who operate because they love doing what they're doing and because they they love helping people i think that's really you know that's where you want to go all in and oh, yeah. price yeah. value is, is going to be delivered on if you can find the correct people. Yep. And whenever I, whenever I would interview people, 
at the place that I used to work for managing. Um, I would, I learned to trust my kind of gut instinct because I, I wasn't always looking for the best practitioner. Yes. Um, I was looking for the right person. Yeah. You can always train, you can always train a practitioner. Yep. You can't change a person. I say the same thing with coaches, personality. Yep. You, you can, I, I like the litmus test of would you go on a three hour ride with this person or a, a, yeah. a road trip, right? Yeah. Like if you won't go on a road trip with them, chances are they probably wouldn't be a good fit. Yep. You know, you can teach them how to move or that the different nuances of, of, of technical skills, but you can't mm-hmm. necessarily teach the personality. Yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 once I started doing that, um, the staff that I would have, um, at the, at the clinic notably changed. I mean, it was, it was a lot better mm-hmm. and in terms of like patient experience and things of that. And so, and I, I think the biggest piece, I don't know all the answers. And yeah. I'm very, I'm very upfront with that with people. Totally. I, you know, if something's not getting better. The thing with me is learning and learning more about myself as the, as the years go by as to why I am the way that I am. But it drives me nuts if somebody's not progressing the way that I feel that they should. Yeah. And there's also a piece of it where there are certain instances where I'm like, Hey, I got to get you back to the doctor. Cause this doesn't seem right. Totally. But there's a lot of instances where I'm like, this should be solvable. And with PT. And mm-hmm. the piece about that is I don't want to refer them back to the doctor because then what happens? Then right? they're back in the system. Then they're back in the so system. Pills for pain and whatever. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's not a solution for me. And so yeah. um, I, I'll be really persistent until, and I'll be open to it. Be like, I want to have you go to somebody else, have somebody yeah. else take a look. Actually that just happened this last month with me. I was treating somebody and we were going with it for like three, four months. And it just, it was not getting anywhere. And I'm like, I was racking my brain. We were trying different things and we just decided that going and getting, having somebody else take an outsider look look. because you kind of, it's hard not to get tunnel tunnel vision. Totally. And uh, she was able to go to a different practitioner and she, I just touched base with her a couple of days ago um, and she's doing a lot better. And I, that for me, there's no ego involved with this, with me, Yeah. whatever that means to get somebody feeling better and back to mm-hmm. living their life. That's what I want people to do. I think so. that that takes a certain amount of confidence in your own trait and something that um, I think about a lot is Stephen Covey has the four quadrants and I think it's been taken by other people, but he has things that are important and not important. And then they're urgent and not urgent. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says that we spend a lot of time on things that are important and urgent And then, you know, our recreation is kind of like not important, not urgent. Right. But he says the quadrant two stuff is really needs to be in the mix as well. And he has a certain percentage, I believe it's like 10 to 20% of your time, but that those are things like really identifying who do you serve and what do Mm -hmm. you do? It's not urgent, right? There's Mm -hmm. no time crunch for it, but it's really important to do. Mm -hmm. And I've turned people away from the gym, you know, Hey, this this, what we're offering doesn't sound like what you're looking for. I can Mm -hmm. suggest this place down the road or these other gyms over here that would be a much better fit for you. But I think being able to identify who you serve and, and knowing that you don't serve everyone, um, is a really important skill and also indicator of the level of professionalism and awareness of the people that you're interacting with or the people that you're hoping will be able to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to be, 
<laughs> this this has been 100% my experience. Uh, I've been in practice now for nine years. Yeah, math is hard. Nine years. He's been um, listening to hard rock the whole time too, since way back. Uh, I have. Um, nine years and nothing that I have been able to do um, success-wise with my career happened overnight. Um, but if you have that mentality of I'm in this, not for myself, I'm in this for other people. It's also, I mean, there's a little bit of it for myself because I, it makes me feel good to be able to help people totally. like, right. Um, but, but if, if you, you didn't love that, it, Dan, like if you didn't enjoy, it's like someone who wants to be a, a rock star, right? If you want to be a rock star, cause you want to perform in front of millions of people. Awesome. But if you don't enjoy practicing your scales by yourself, it's going to be miserable. So yep. you have to find something that you really enjoy doing and it, yeah. it brings you fulfillment. And if you yeah. can't, a lot of times it's, it probably isn't going to be the, the, the path for you. Yeah. And, and in terms of PT, you know, that's reading research totally. um, yep. on your off hours, you know, what's the latest research on this stuff and also being able to, to kind of network and get to know other therapists in the region too, to be able yep. to bounce ideas off each other. Um, yeah. That's one of the benefits of being in a bigger setting with more therapists is you can collaborate a lot more yeah. and a lot. Um, and so, you know, thankfully for me, I I've been in the twin cities enough where I have connections around where I can reach out and be like, Hey, I've got this. Can I talk to you for a little bit about some ideas off you? And also um, uh, beginning of April, uh, a friend of mine, I'd mentioned this to you previously, but a friend of mine, Kelly Wild. Yeah. is going to be coming on and joining uh, the practice as well. And so, you know, her and I will be able to have, we actually have, um, we're going to fit, I think, really well together with yeah. our skill sets um, and be able to That's bounce. That's a setting that I think when you look at having you mentioned like having two therapists, that's where I think you, you maximize the, the interdependent nature that we have as humans, right? Yep. You and one other person, and you can talk about those patients, you're in the same setting, you're, mm -hmm. you're dialoguing, and then, and then it may be beneficial, it may help elevate both of you, because you then both are able to kind of have an outside perspective on a particular presenting problem. Yep, exactly. And that's fresh eyes. That's yeah. what I, that's what I, let's go get fresh eyes on this. Because yeah. I can only, it's almost like you can't, I've tried, you can't unsee what you've already seen. I, I do the same thing, man, with coaching. And that's why I think it's helpful to have others, yep. others around. But like you yeah. said, you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. Yep, exactly. So Dan, I, I want to, um, did I answer to, your question? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I've asked a lot, of, a lot of different ones. I've had statements. Oh, it's so multifaceted. So, yeah. We'll have to go back and make sure I'll check them off. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have one that I think would be interesting, especially given your, your tenure with CrossFit. You've been doing CrossFit for a while. Mm -hmm. And CrossFit often has a bad rap of getting people injured. And yep. quick pontification on that. I really think um, it's understandable how that came about. There are some very irresponsible either coaches or affiliates out there uh, yeah. who can give CrossFit a bad name. And there are also a lot of people doing a really good job. However, yeah. anytime, um, quick back step, when you use machines like a curl machine at LA fitness, the likelihood of injury on that is very low. And that's why it's really easy to use. There's a low barrier to entry. However, with that it also comes a, a cost that the benefit that you're going to receive from it is probably much lower as well. So yep. point of that is that performing functional movements um, can actually 
uh, reduce risk of injury if they're done correctly. But when you're first getting into it or you're learning, the, the likelihood of being injured goes up a little bit from what you would see in a traditional uh, machine-based setting. When you look at CrossFit generally and your years of treating CrossFit athletes and having done CrossFit, what are some things that seem to come up more commonly that either A, may be able to be solved ahead of time with more preventatively or mm -hmm. B, um, that can be treated uh, during the process? As you're kind of like getting into CrossFit, you know, from the- Well, from yeah, the just generally people who do yeah. CrossFit, are there trends that you see? So uh, first, the in in talking about the bad rap that CrossFit can get, um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with CrossFit at all. First thing, um, the methodology. Um, I do think there are, are certain. Hold them on that, guys. <laughs> um, it, the fact that you need to do, you know, sometimes you need to individualize it to the person um, yeah. in terms of where their body's at. However, um, injuries happen in sport in any sport. Um, I do believe there's, uh, I was reading a research article, it was about a year ago or so, looking at the incidence of injury in CrossFit. It's, it's, it's no different than- I think basketball is actually the highest. Like, yeah. I think it's like ankle rolls, whatever, but- Basketball, football, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, um, anything that's complex movement in that regard, you're gonna, people get hurt too yeah. doing the bicep curl machine. Yeah. So, and people get um, hurt from not having built up any stabilizer muscles from not working. Yeah. Out, right. And it, it's like how it's like, okay, it's just, it's the nature of the human body. Yeah. It's just, it's on, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable. However, when it comes to the, the specific movements in CrossFit, um, and this actually can relate to Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting too, just because CrossFit is kind of a meshwork of, mm -hmm. you know, gymnastics, powerlifting, and Olympic weightlifting, um, with high intensity exercise. But, um, number one, <laughs> this is a really hard question to answer. Sometimes I know I got, I got gotta, a lot of kind of put you on the spot. I got a lot of thoughts. Um, let's put it this way. What's, what's, uh, what's one thing that I'm trying to see if we can get something kind of like like actionable here? Like what's something people can kind of pay attention to on with themselves or like if they're feeling something, what's something that they could, a, a corrective measure they could potentially take or for coaches to keep an eye on. Does that make sense? Yep. Or Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be the number one thing, I guess, but just so, some. So one of the most common, I guess, two of the most common things that I see in CrossFit um, and athletes and stuff is shoulder injuries and knee. Mm -hmm. Those are the two most common that I probably have run across. And one of the biggest things with the shoulders, because of our culture um, in America, we sit a lot. Mm -hmm. Even if we're active, we sit to eat, we sit to drive, uh, we sit a lot to socialize. Um, it's just we're, we're a sitting culture. Our culture is not built around standing and moving. And because of that, thoracic mobility is a big, is a big issue. Um, we talked about that single arm, double arm before. It's a really big issue. Um, not only extension, um, this way, but rotation. And I can get into the nitty gritty of the science of why those are actually very similar to one another. Um, you have to extend in order to be able to rotate, but yeah, yeah. Um, that has a, a huge impact on, uh, your shoulders because we don't really sense this, but being able to get overhead, with, with good mobility, 
our thoracic spine has to be able to extend. And if you do think single arm, it has to be able to extend and rotate. And if it can't, then your shoulder blade can't get into the right position. And then that leads to stress on, I mean, any shoulder number of things, just shoulder in general, mm -hmm. rotator cuff, um, biceps, deltoid, uh, upper traps, I mean, all that stuff. And so, you know, having good thoracic mobility, but also it's not, when I say mobility, there's mobility and there's also stability when it comes with that too. Mm -hmm. So if you mobilize something, you also want to stabilize something in what you just mobilized, right? So I'll give the example of like one of the things, being able to lay on a foam roll and do some extensions, right? So you want to be able to do that. So that okay, would be an cool. example, flexibility and some mobility in there as well, yeah, because gravity is yeah. pulling you down. Yes. So doing that and then following that up immediately after with doing an exercise that's a, a quadruped uh, upper thoracic rotation is what okay. the fancy term. Yeah. Reaching through. Yeah. Yep. So reaching through and then opening up Yeah. and being okay. able to get those muscles to engage and actually do those movements. Mm -hmm. Because if you're stiff, your body's not moving through that range of motion until you just loosened it up. Right. Yeah. And so muscles make joints move. So those muscles yeah. also are not being trained to move through that In range of motion. range of motion. And so, so that's also why a lot of times people will come back and they feel like I always have to loosen up my thoracic spine. And I, I don't know why. And a lot of it could be lifestyle of what you're doing outside. Uh -huh. You say a lot. This is why talking to people, it's why I talk to people. Important. Yeah. Um, sitting a lot, but also, are you training? Are you re-educating those muscles um, to be able to do functionally what they are made to do? Yeah. And if you're not, you're going to have some, you're going to have recoil. And that's really like from personal experience, from as a coach, as an athlete, it's, it's hard to do that. And we really, you know, really try to instruct people, Hey, keep it lighter today and really focus on how you're mm -hmm. moving. Yep. But saying that and doing that are two different things. And, um, yep. Uh, quality over quantity is what, totally. I, what I tell people all the time. And we kind of understand that intuitively, but it's another thing in practice when you're around other people or you're in the gym and people are looking at you and you're like, I want to, I want them to see me lifting heavy. Right. And yep. That's one tough. of the, one of the beautiful things about CrossFit, um, can also be <laughs> one of the, one of the Worst. challenges. With yeah. One of the challenges. Yep. Um, because it's competition, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, that's what I loved about it. Yeah, uh, I, I had so it draws a lot of people to it. it believe it or not, I was very I am very introverted, but I was very shy growing up. So oh, I, I know didn't, I didn't do a lot of sports, um, even though I could have just because I, I don't know, maybe uncomfortable. So, yeah, I was like CrossFit. That's sweet. Like I can I get this like competitive kind of drive that I've always had and I can outlet it into this. Yeah. And but you're still kind of working by yourself. Yeah. And you have a community as, there, yeah, yeah. hanging out with people. Yeah, you can be um, as immersive as you want. Yeah, but you can also get into the mindset of like, I want to, I think most people, this is probably a generalization, maybe it's not true, but you always have that one person in the gym that you're like on the same level of. Yep. You're like, I want to beat that person, yep. right? I see him on the leaderboard, yep. And then you can kind of get outside of yourself um, and wind up, you know, maybe moving when you, you know, trying to hit a lift that maybe you shouldn't have. And you knew it, mm -hmm. but you still wanted to because yeah. you wanted you wanted to beat that person. So I, I try to also with uh, my patients that are, um, you know, CrossFitters is you are your competition. Mm -hmm. 
that sounds so cheesy, but but it's so true. It's it's true. Go mm-hmm. in, be better than you were the day before, and continue to build on that. And if you keep doing that, you're gonna you're gonna be better than others, um, totally. and you're gonna be healthier because you're gonna well, be able to stay in the gym. That's the long run versus the short run, right? Yep. And that's really hard in our society because just like we're a sitting society, we're also an instant gratification society. Yep. Yeah. Dan, I, I want to just, uh, I'll, I won't keep you much longer, but I want to unpack Dude, one get, thing. I could talk about this all day. So <laughs> I know I love it. This is fascinating for me as a coach too. And one thing that I want to, I want to unpack just a little bit because I've, I've heard and, and understand the difference between flexibility and mobility. Mm-hmm. Generally flexibility mean, means range of motion. Mm-hmm. Mobility is the range of motion under load. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about, and you gave a great example, but I, I want to understand more on a, um, or see if we could put more of a, um, maybe literary definition to it. What are the, what's the difference between mobility and stability? So as people are mobilizing, what, like if they're, let's say they, um, do a, a banded lat stretch or something, would it be good for them to do like tempo pull-ups after that, or a single arm kettlebell hold overhead? Um, what are and as far as stabilizing, what, what types of things would we look at for that? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So, uh, the two phrases are, the two terms are mobility and stability, correct? Yeah. Yes. Um, so stability is a little bit of a, uh, a broad, well, it's not broad. Okay. Like so having stability, control during a range of motion. Stability is really control, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That that's, that's, sense. that's really what it is. Cause I mean, if you look at the term stability and think stable, you think stillness, right? At least yes. that's what my brain goes yeah, to. Me too. Um, and it's, it's not in terms of the human body and complex movement, it's not about necessarily being still, it's about being able to control the movement using the proper yeah. muscles. Okay. So this is great. So it could be like, you could have a very mobile squat position. You could be able to get really low in it, whatever, but that's where point A is a starting point. Point B is the end point. You're mobile. If you can get down to point B stability is how you go through those two points. Yes. And an understanding that as you're going through, kind of like you mentioned with the T-spine and shoulder blade, that as you're extending your arm overhead, that your shoulder blade is going into the correct position as you're, is that kind of beating down the right path? Yes. Um, and so it kind of gets back into just my thoracic spine example of like, mm-hmm. you mobilize, then you stabilize. Yeah. And, and it's, that's control. You teach those muscles yeah. control. Um, and so one of the things that I'll touch on too, cause I, I think this is a, uh, something in any fitness realm, um, that I don't think is talked about enough is that, oh, somebody who has a lot of range of motion, right? So we all have those people that are able to get, uh, <laughs> um, let's say astagrass. Yeah. Able to get all the way down. PG-13. Right? So being able to get all the way down. So they have really good mobility in that regard. Right. But I'll, I've had people in the past come to me be like, my hips are always so tight. Like what's a stretch? Uh, which by the way, really difficult to do when you have somebody come up to you and say, my shoulder hurts. What are some stretches? I yeah. Can do? Yeah. That is like, the worst question that. for a PT to get. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've learned to, to be like, well, I, I got to take a look at what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Otherwise I can't give you anything reliable. Yeah. But anyway, um, so able to get all the way down, hips are really tight, what's stretch? And I'm like, you don't, you don't really need to stretch. Um, 
because your hip can already move through all those ranges. Full range, like, yeah. And stability issues can manifest as a sensation of tightness because a lot of what happens is, is you'll get one particular group of muscles or muscle that's not engaging properly and your body doesn't know how to kick it in automatically. And so then what will happen is as you go down and squat, it'll use what it knows. And that overloads those muscles. They don't like that. Um, <laughs> I always use the analogy of a, a factory of workers and you got to pump out a product, but every single worker has a job to do. Yeah. And then you got Joe, sorry for any Joe's uh, listening. My dad, uh, but who cares? Friend, right? Sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, you got Joe not doing his job, right? He's not uh -huh. pulling his weight. And it could be because maybe he's exhausted. Yeah. It could be because he wasn't trained properly. All the workers around him really pissed off because you still got to get the product out, mm -hmm. right? And the product in this analogy is movement. Mm -hmm. And so until you go, and then all of a sudden, sometimes the other workers are going to revolt on you too. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be like, we're done. Not until you get Joe doing his job. And that's where you feel sucks. the pain with one of the other workers who's yes. bringing it to the manager, but the pain starts with Joe. Yep. And, and so you got to, that's, that's my whole premise of what I always do is try to get to the root. And so it. being able to stabilize and control the movement is going to help, um, number one, that's that stiffness feeling, um, mm -hmm. but also help you stabilize too. It's, it's yeah. just cohesion is what yeah. your body likes. So yeah. I don't know if that answered the question, but, but that was great. That was phenomenal. Yeah. I, I had a light bulb moment as a coach there, Dan, thanks so much for coming on, man. I, I really yeah, man. appreciate it. Um, anything else that you want to share? Um, I mean, I, I think all two I of can, them. Uh, hey, mom. <laughs> Listener. Yeah. Um, there's a podcast that I listen to. They always make that joke. Um, they're like, tell our listener just one. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And they're huge. Um, yeah, so, all two of them, right? Uh, yeah. I'll just, uh, I'll throw out kind of uh, my information and how, you know, yeah. contact. Help people get a hold of you. Yeah. So I am, uh, my, my practice currently, uh, I have a lot of different options when it comes to, um, uh, what I can do in terms of going to somebody's house. It's a lot mm -hmm. of it. It's like scheduling and availability and things like yeah. that. So I want people to be able to know it's that. It's more niche and, and personalized. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh man, I'm going to have to pull up my business number because I don't have it memorized. Dan's also very active on social as he talked about in this podcast. So you can see, uh, I think he posts three, four times a day, a lot of shirtless pics in the mirror and uh, <laughs> so on and so forth. <laughs> uh, that's sarcasm, folks. That's sarcasm. <laughs> like we, can, we can both have just a sarcasm only podcast for a few hours. Good. Shirtless pics. Um, so one surefire way to get a hold of me um, is my email is uh, Dan Broughton. That's D-A-N-B-R-A-U-G-H-T-O-N at M-N-O-P-P.com. Um, and then my, oh, they changed the app on me. How dare they? Um, my number, I can't believe I don't have my number saved. That's okay. Right I, now. I, 651-412-3072 um, is my clinic number to get a hold of me. If I don't answer, uh, just leave a message. I get a lot of solicitation calls these days. Yeah, so I, and I'm, same I'm way. busy. Um, but I have, I've, I've worked with, Crossfitters, Olympic weightlifters. Um, uh, I guess I'm getting into a little bit of kind of like my specialty stuff, so people can know, mm -hmm. be like, "Is this someone I want to reach out to?" Yeah. Um, I have worked with powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, Crossfitters. You um, have I've pain. Done, 
if you have pain, yep. reach out to Dan. He may reach be able to help to you or he'll get you set up with someone who can. Exactly. Even if it's just a consult, just talk and see free consult, see what's going on, see if I'm the one that cool. can can help you or if I can send you in the right direction. So awesome. Yeah. Man. Well, Dan, so. hey, thanks so much for your time, man. And uh, it's been great having you on. We might have to have a follow-up one sometime. We Dude, go I- down some of these uh, roads. I'm all jazz now. Like you got me talking. I'm super passionate about this stuff. So I'm like, mm, I've, I've written down this. a bunch of notes to go, go follow up with. So it's uh, awesome, man. Well, thanks yeah. a lot. And we'll catch you later. Yeah. Sounds good. Have a good day.